I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Podcast Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace a podcast that highlights the role of women peace builders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to communities, eavesdrop on their communities and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by... Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace. Salam, salam, dear listeners. This is Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying hello. And this time I'm in Davao City in Mindanao. And here's my co-host, Ayayesa. Hi, Amina. Hi, everybody. Welcome again to our show, She Talks Peace. I'm Ayesa Abubakar, and I'm joining you from Albuquerque International University in Kada, Malaysia. How is Davao, Amina? I'm missing Davao, and I'm missing you. You were supposed to be here, except you know, uh, for your family emergency. But Davao is as nice as ever, and we are here at waterfront hotel i always like this hotel because it's by the sea even if you cannot <laughs> swim in the sea because it's polluted this side of davao still it's so nice to look out and uh, relax oh but uh, yes uh, you know the um, the office of the presidential advisor for peace reconciliation mm-hmm. and unity launched the fourth National Action Plan for Women, Peace and Security. Wow. Uh, Milestone. Milestone. They did it December 11, and it was a big event. This is the first time that the National Action Plan is going to be for 10 years. Wow. That's a long period. Yeah, it's really really wonderful. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was there, because, oh, yes, I was the keynote speaker for that event. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> that was exciting. But when I gave my talk, I mentioned that uh, when the government started negotiating with the Moro Islamic Liberation Front panel, headed by uh, Iqbal, by IQ, they, the MILF really had no reputation for being uh, gender fair or, <laughs> you know, right? Or having women. As, they had no women really in their, in their panel. And it took a while for them to uh-huh. start 
bringing in women. And I remember, and I, I shared this when I was um, giving my speech. I said, I remembered when, uh, you know, at the time the peace advisor was uh, Ging Deles, they would invite us. Do you remember, Ayasa? They would invite mm -hmm. us from civil society to sit down with the peace advisor to talk about strategies if there were like issues that we really need to lobby on. So there was yeah. good coordination between civil society and government on certain issues like women's That's rights. Mm -hmm. And I think all this constant lobbying by civil society took effect because afterwards they had that uh, they got uh, Raisa the jury to be consultant, be, later became mm -hmm. like advisor to the That's Moro true. Islamic Liberation yeah. Front Panel. And they had yeah. Kabaisai Abu Bakar, who's an mm -hmm. Islamic scholar. And mm -hmm. I remember when we would have discussions with the MILF, they would be very polite, they would just smile. But Ayesa, the news at uh, two days ago, after the launch of the National Action Plan for Women, Peace, and Security, the news from BARM, the chief minister appointed, has appointed three women to mm -hmm. very sensitive positions. The okay. first one is uh, law, a lawyer, Sha Elija Dumama Alba. She is now the minister of the Ministry of Interior and Local Government. And oh, that's a very powerful ministry. Oh, very powerful. And then Ana Tarhata Basman okay. is now the Regional Attorney General. Okay. A long very young women. Very young women also, I mean. Absolutely. And a long-time friend of ours, Ayesa, Peace mm -hmm. Advocate Susana Salvador Anayatin is oh, the director okay. of the Office of Settler Communities. Oh, so, okay. That's good. Yeah. And those are sensitive positions. And mm -hmm, you've got mm -hmm. three women. So they now join the ranks of Raisa Jajuri, mm -hmm. who is the minister for mm -hmm. uh, social welfare and development. And, and also other. Minister Aida Silongan, who is the Minister for Science and Technology. And technology, yeah. so another important position. I'm now more hopeful that, mm -hmm. um, you know, but women, peace, and security is going to be better supported in the Bangsamoro. And actually, mm -hmm. I guess that that's the reason why we are here in Davao because we're trying to put together a mm -hmm. diploma program so that the Mindanao State University can teach women peace and security. And you're part of it, right? Yes. Hopefully, hopefully more presence there. Yeah, but we also need to congratulate Amina, the BARM. The Bangsamoro Autonomous uh, Region in Muslim Mindanao, the new government. You know, as you said, a lot of things have been going on, including their second law, uh, second issue of their own regional action plan on WPS. So, if at the national level in the Philippines we now have a fourth generation, 
if the BARM, at least there's a second generation that's also following the national standards. So that's good news. And I know uh, the work that we are doing now in, in Davao City supporting Mindanao State University, hopefully we get to work more with BARM. You know, helping them out in their WPS implementation. You were asking about the um, Bangsamoro Women's Commission yesterday, Ayesa, when we had our first day of the consultation, they gave us a really detailed presentation of the regional plan of action of the, okay. of the farm. You can ask our guests what they thought about it. To all our listeners, our best friends, our uh, two girlfriends from AWPR or the ASEAN Women Peace Registry, uh, Dr. Arifa Ramawati and Dr. Amporn, they will be our guests for today. So let me first give you some background about Dr. Arifa. So Dr. Arifa holds a PhD on policy studies, postgraduate school of Universitas Gajamada UGM in Jogja, Indonesia. Uh, this is my favorite place in Indonesia because of Dr. Arifa. <laughs> and of course, uh, Dr. Arifa uh, really had you know, um, a, a good contribution when she uh, completed her thesis, her PhD thesis, which got her the Cum Laude Award because her thesis was about the reintegration policy of the Achenese female combatants. So these were the Grakan Ache movement uh, female fighters. Uh, so that was what her work was all about. And then Arifa was also the national coordinator and researcher for a gender and conflict project. It's a six-year project that has been uh, by the Swiss Agency for Development and Cooperation, mainly, again, about uh, the post-agreement phase in Ache involving the female combatants. And of course, uh, Arifa is part of our ASEAN Women Peace Registry together with Dr. Amporn. And it's also interesting that despite uh, the COVID, uh, recently, you know, Arifa was actually uh, the moderator of this web-based consultation, Indonesian First National Action Plan of 1325, which happened uh, in 2020, the first year of our COVID-19 experience of lockdown okay so that's dr arifa then i'll now introduce dr amporn marden okay, so dr amporn is the founder of this new center for excellence on women and social security at walailak university in southern thailand and as part of her school activist work amporn has spent time partnering and working with civil society groups organizations in Southern Thailand to discover the ways to advance peace and social justice. She was also appointed by the Thai government as part of the ASEAN Women Peace Registry. And her areas of research are, include cultural anthropology, Muslim feminism. This is the first time I've heard about Muslim feminism. I should ask more about this from Amporn. Um, and peace building and preventing violent extremism. So. Both, both, uh, both, Dr. Arifa and Dr. Amporn, welcome to She Talks Peace. Welcome. Thank you, Aisa. Thank you, Amina. It is an honor to be here with you two again at the podcast. Thank you, Amina. I am born. Hi. Good morning from Davao as well. So, what do you think about Davao City, Arifa Amporn? 
I love the city, especially the place that we are here now, just at the beach. Wow, I'm so envious you are there. <laughs> so lovely. But Ayesa, this, this used to be Ayesa's hangout when she was still living in Davao. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite hotel. <laughs> there is casino so, here. Do you go for casino as well, Ayesa? <laughs> During those days, Arifa, there was no casino. Okay? It's purely a, a family-oriented hotel where you can go there to the beach, have a picnic, you know, you bring your family and you go for this buffet lunches and dinners on the weekend. So it's a family-oriented hotel. Nonetheless, it's still there. So, you know, it's still <laughs> besides the casino. I haven't, seen the, I haven't seen a casino here. I think they just call it waterfront. It's a resort, casinos and resorts. But I don't think there's a casino here. I haven't seen it. That's weird. But anyway, we got Arifa and Amporn to join us, Ayesa, because as I said earlier, we're, we're working on developing a curriculum on mm-hmm. women's peace and security. And the reason, well, one of one of the reasons why I thought it would be so wonderful to have Arifa and Ampoint join us is because they have so much experience working and educating women who are actually in the conflict areas in Indonesia and in, um, in Southern Thailand. And I thought with experiences like theirs, we can really put together a program that's going to be so helpful. So I was, I was thinking we could ask Arifa and then Ampon to share with us, what is it like working with women who have known conflict all their lives? And you're asking them to, be, to, be, you know, to go into the zone of peace, to be peace educators, to be mediators, or at least to stop fighting. What's it like, Arifa? Yesterday, I heard a lot uh, about their experience as well as their commitment to move toward peace. But as you already mentioned, they have long been known and experienced directly with violent conflict, with armed conflict. So. We have to be more understanding toward their situation. Therefore, we should be careful when we ask about what peace they want to have. Because there are so many uh, definitions or maybe understanding based on their experiences, uh, what means to, to them. People can understand uh, in general, people can understand peace as the absence of violence. But what type of violence? Because we know there are so many violence. At least we can categorize it into three types of violence. The first is direct violence, including physical and verbal, and including armed violence, including war. Yeah. But the second, we also have violence that usually we cannot see directly which is we call a structural violence, the policy, the regulation that somehow block the potential of a person to be developed further. 
and also we have three the 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 type three of the phylum, which is cultural phylum, based on again religion and ethnic value or cultural value that cannot uh, help people to get what they can be, to be what they want uh, cannot can be actually. So I think these three type of phylum we need to look at carefully and ask them which one or what phylum that they have been faced so far and how they want to move from that situation. Maybe some of them will say that I would like the war stop. So it means they want uh, to have what we call as negative peace, which is no more direct violence, including physical violence. But maybe some of them, including my experience in Aceh, there is no peace in Aceh. For, and where there is no peace for women, even though there are peace agreements, then this fire was, is there. Why? Because they are still experiencing what we know as the domestic violence and also structural and cultural violence when the society, when the religious leaders say no for them if they want to be nominated in election, either to be the executive level or legislative level. So I think we found so many situations, violent situations, and we want to teach them what peace means to them. So we should ask them first what peace means to them. And for that, from that point, then we can move forward how we can achieve the peace that they say to us. I wanted to ask also uh, Dr. Amporn about how do you uh, educate Thai women, you know, uh, both Muslim and non-Muslim uh, Thai women when it comes to women's empowerment, especially that I know you, you've led this research on Southern Thailand on how to possibly come up with you know a WPS plan for southern thailand as well uh how how did you go about um you know coming up with some strategies on how to push for an educational program on women's rights issues you know given the situation now of southern thailand yes thank you aisa for the question this is crucial for the situation in the country where the conflict uh, i mean the violent conflict taking place in the south, certain border provinces for about two decades. And uh, people are in the situation still, the conflict. And uh, to talk about women, peace and security and talk about peace, empowerment among people, especially for those women who are in the conflict, it's not that easy. As uh, Dr. Arifa mentioned about how to defy it could be from those people who are living with the conflict, right? And uh, for the situation in the context of Southern Thailand, the influence of media is very crucial for people to understand what is the reality. And once it just projects only one side of the uh, context of conflict within the Muslim community, those people are the um, majority of them are the, the Malay Muslim, and uh, once it is already uh, represent um, the the image, including how it goes, in the sense that they they love to t- 
take violation, which is wrong in, in a way of uh, grabbing the knowledge from media. And I don't think this is only happening in, in Thailand or Southern Thailand, yeah. but there are many places as well. I heard a lot yesterday, including in our forum. To start with, eliminate that kind of image is not a, an easy task. But to alert or make people aware, this is not only one channel for people all around the globe, including in our own community, to understand the local context of violation. So to bring the positive side is that a big task. But we can start from those people who are living with or experience the conflict. And they can narrate what they are facing by now, before, and also how they would like to speak for the future. I work with young people in the university. They reflect a lot of uh, their, in the time of uh, being a, a youth. And they found out their parents, their families are struggling a lot for their, uh, to support them in education. And uh, they also heard about different stories from their own community and from some certain people who are always still um, bring them out of the peace zone, which means that there are some certain groups of people still would like to to have violation, I mean, to this is a kind of a, uh, another stage of the conflict there. So we re, we start by reflecting and writing, narrating. Uh, people actually who are working in the south of Thailand get some idea how to improve their own society, and um, they work through social media to represent the new image, to provide the new image of uh, Southern Thailand. It's not only just the bomb blasting, killing, or uh, people uh, carrying the guns, but they also provide the, the part of the value of uh, Malay cultures, food, music, and also costumes. That's an, another positive image of uh, the, the context of a Malay Muslim community. For women, that's another point. When women are represented as the victims, and then they found out uh, they have groups, they have people who are in the same situation. They were gathering together. They attempt a lot to go beyond uh, being such victims. And then uh, the issues of uh, women, peace, and security is already there. Without cautious, this is a task on women, peace, and security. But at the same time, the government go a little bit slow on uh, improving, uh, providing the space for learning what sort of this kind of mechanism, whether it is benefit and useful as well to develop the society, not only in the South, but also the, the country in general. Dr. Ampor, it's good that you mentioned earlier about social media. Can you tell us in what ways are the young people in Thailand making are making use of social media to promote peace and peace building? There are so many projects of young people who got support as well by the international agencies. They have the talent to build a new knowledge, new scenario. For example, they carry the camera from their um, uh, uh, smartphone along the village and um, just picture or video or taping or recording 
the live the life of people on in the in the village in Kampung, and they also go to different places by showing a, a certain crucial menus that uh, the old people, the nene, uh, grandma, cooking in their own kitchen. And they would like to test, they communicate uh, through their own languages. And um, the young people, the Malay, also invited their friends to go along with. And then they, they broadcast over YouTube and different other channels. So that's very beautiful from my, from my understanding. Because sometimes I, I, I just learned this is, oh, a menu that I have never tested. So I, I have to go to that place. And I heard mm-hmm. a lot from the feedback of people who, follow those kind of pages, they said, okay, this is not what the media, the mainstream media mm-hmm. talks about. That's true. Oh, that's really wonderful, you know, that kind of technique for young people to do. I think that's why there really is a move for the Philippines, for instance, to synchronize the National Action Plan for Women, Peace and Security and the National Action Plan for Youth, Peace and Security, because youth they they do manage to bring in so many innovations into you know uh, subjects like uh, like peace education. I wanted to ask um, Arifa, and uh, I hope Amporn can can share as well because of your experience working in conflict communities, dealing with uh, female combatants as well as uh, victims of armed conflict. And I ask this because yesterday I was uh, saying to the group <laughs> in the workshop that uh, there's this uh, very popular saying, right, that war is in the minds of men. Therefore, it's the, it's the women who should be the, the, the solution for, for peace. And Arifa said, not necessarily. Because there are also war in the minds of some women. So I wanted to ask Arifa and then uh, later um, Amporn, what are the common misconceptions that you've encountered while educating women um, in, in about their rights, about uh, uh the situation they're in in armed conflict. What are the challenges or misconceptions that uh, you have encountered, Arifa, when you were talk- when you're working with the Achenis, for instance? Yeah, thank you, Amina. I think again, it is the problem of understanding gender stereotype when we think that women are so peaceful, so kind and so caring, nurturing, and so on and so on, something that is soft soft and a nice thing, while at the same time we stereotype men as being so protected with violence, so rude, for example, so harsh, uh, using physical thing to do uh, many things, something like that. But I think, again, it is a misconception regarding uh, uh, gender understanding, gender identity, yeah? because uh, uh, history, our history uh, tell us that actually both men and women are capable to sing a song for peace, but at the same time, 
they both also capable to sing a song for war. So look at the history of Aceh, for example. We have so many warriors, women warriors, and they directly fought against the colonial government at the time. And also, when they have to fight against the Indonesian government, there are at least 2,500 women who carry on weapon, training as a military, trained as military in the jungle, in the forest, in the mountain, and they are really ready to protect their community, their dignity, using violence, including arms. Yeah. So that's so us that actually women also capable to sing a song mm. for war. And also the data recently in Indonesia show that more and more women participate in terrorism act. Mm. Not only women, but also children. They bring along children. So again, this is uh, we need to really to refresh our understanding or gender stereotype. Then we have to really look at the context and the look at the situation. We have to be aware that all person, including adult, youth, and children, women and men, actually are capable to do such a horrible thing. So. This make us more complicated in doing the work, right? Right. Yeah. So fortunately, yep. we have the WPS, and now we have the YPS, and we have NAP. We have regional action plan. We have regional plan of action in ASEAN, and in at the national level, we also have the national action plan on preventing violent extremism. I think mm-hmm. that all mechanism, that all the framework can be used to do to support the program at the local level but at the beginning we have to do the gender analysis first who is going to do the bad thing and who are affected by the bad thing and what the resources they have in order to prevent or to counter the situation and make it better something like that, that also sounds like um, a situation when we have raging Armed conflicts in uh, in Mindanao. What about you, Amporn? What has your experience been working in in Southern Thailand? What are the misconceptions that you have to deal? A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Oh, I have different experience from what uh, Dr. Arifa mentioned. I do not uh, associate much with uh, women who. Uh, sing the same song on conflict, but they were people who are raising the issue and voices of peace builder. 
and mm-hmm. uh, they are the people who need to raise their children alone and carry on the legacies of their own community. So that's a big task for this generation women, including uh, young people who are building up again the society for more peaceful uh, ones. So um, at the level of the community that I work uh, with, especially in Patani, Yalanaratiwat provinces, uh, those uh, are the uh, deep south, what we call. Uh, there are certain uh, norms that we found out in our research, for example, obedient wife. It's always mentioned a lot, several times, uh, last 10 years I conduct this research. And uh, there are cases of uh, women who were um, uh, faced with domestic violence. And uh, if they cannot tolerate, they will go to the imam of the village. Mm -hmm. And if the solution could not be achieved, just uh, being asked for reconcile and living together, they will go to the provincial leader of Mm -hmm. reconciliation. And the result quite the same to ask them maintain uh, the yeah. or the, the harmony family. in the family. Yeah. And uh, there are groups of people, especially women uh, in the local Patani, uh, local level, see this is not normal. Islam doesn't encourage us to live in such violent uh, situation. We need, especially uh, from the um, family unit, to provide peacefulness, right? And then mm-hmm. they said that to be a good wife doesn't mean you have to tolerate that kind of violence. You need to change. Right. You cannot change. You have to get out from that kind of situation. Yeah. But the process and the structure don't allow them to do so. So we have to work with the religious leader who are influenced on uh, Islamic interpretations. And many ulama, our religious leader, know this is not Islamic value. But uh, it has for them as well to find out how to uh, reinterpret from the simple understanding when it goes to the issues of, for example, extra marriage or applying more than one wife, uh, when the issues of uh, domestic violence come more complicated, such as uh, the first wife were beaten because she cannot tolerate when the husband asks for the second wife or already take the second wife to another house. And uh, the first family were neglected. And uh, the why the first wife feel like, do I have to accept this kind of uh, journey? And uh, the, the ulama cannot say this is not the right journey because the mainstream interpretation said that this is what God uh, provide our journey. Mm-hmm. And then they, we, we found out it's not the normal way that we should live with. Mm-hmm. So we have consult, I mean, groups of women in the South, we have consult together. But again, the women who have knowledge and capacity don't want to speak in public with our ulama. Mm-hmm. And we encourage mm-hmm. them to talk in our forum. Still, they, they speak with me and with some friends from Indonesia, Malaysia, that we know this is an Islam, but we cannot speak it out. And then we invite groups of ulama from Malaysia, Indonesia, to teach our uh, children and women 
and uh, support them, ensure them that Islam always find a way out. Within the conflict, you have another cultural conflict, as Dr. Arifa mentioned, which is deep down into our own culture and customs. But at the same time, we need to re-understanding what Islam talk and say about gender in Islam, and then we don't uh, deny there is um, a feminist in, in in Muslim community. Yeah. I don't want to say the feminist term as a toxicate one, but it is another mm-hmm. way that we can announce or say it or identify ourselves if we feel comfortable to do so, right? It's actually a, a challenge, you know, doing uh, women's rights issues type of education in the classroom. You know, all of us are teaching in the university. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, uh, like in my class, I don't only have women as my students, but I also have a lot of men. So, you know, uh, you always get, as a lecturer, you always get challenged that it's so pro-women. Everything is about women's rights. How about the men? You know, so maybe Arifa and Amporn can tell us. So how do you deal with this classroom dynamics when you have men also demanding to be heard and about their men's rights as well, or they are asking that you should be gender fair? You know, so how do you, in fact, you know, apply gender fairness and gender neutrality in teaching uh, women's rights education? Arifa, yeah. Thank you, Aisha. It is very interesting uh, issues to be discussed. Uh, I have an experience at the time we are talking about the sexual violence in our campuses. Uh, I have to be fair that there are many cases where there are uh, uh, lecturers, for example, doing her uh, bad thing to the student, and then among the students, they do the same thing. And then we come to a regulation that has been passed by the, our education minister. It is considered a rape when there is no consensus among the two. Mm. Yeah. And then the debate comes to the, okay, what do we mean by consensus? And who should say the consensus, man or woman? Who should agree for that? And then come with the uh, Islamic value as well. Why Islam? say that uh, for women to go out from the house, they have to get permission from the husband or from men right. be consensus, something like that. And then uh, after they debating, and I let them to debate, and then I said to them, I just try to calm them, calm them down. And then what is the meaning of consensus and what is the benefit of the consensus? I give them example why Islamic women have to to get permission or to have consensus with the husband or man when they go out. For me, it is positive in the sense that when we want to go out, so and then the husband say yes, it means that the husband, the man, will take the responsibility to take over and to deal with the domestic issues while the woman go for the public issues. So instead of looking at the negative side, I think we cannot just directly confront it, the liberal feminist uh, uh, issues with the Islamic issues, but try to negotiate and compromise and look at the positive side. This is yeah. also a problem in Indonesia because the feminist liberal always contested the Islamic values. But for me, there is no contestation as long as mm-hmm we understand how we look at the issues 
and from what point of view? Yeah. For the example, how about Amporn? I was wondering what does Amporn uh, think about this based on your experience uh, educating women? Yeah, the issue and the case is quite similar. Um, the limitation of knowledge is there when we had workshops and uh, public um, forums. The women keep silence in the hall, but they keep uh, talking when we have lunch, dinner together. <laughs> and they said that because of uh, knowledge and because of the position is not the religious leader and uh, ulama or the people have the knowledge. They said that the knowledge is in you, with you, you experience it. And you learn already from the Basantren, from Islamic boarding school, from the village uh, school. And they find out, okay, um, can I speak out uh, from my own experience? I said, of course, why not? And then you can uh, ask the men to replace your position. What are they going to do? And then by sharing the experience, the role playing, and uh, applying this kind of methodology reciprocal, it works in the sense understand within uh, the time of workshop. But at the same time, our, our trainer asked them to go a little bit further to seek from certain ayats or the verses of the Quran mentioned about the values of human being. They are equal in front of God, either men or women or beyond. So this is the challenging for the ulama to say no. And then um, they say that they will carry this kind of message back to their own community. And we, we attempt, uh, ask them to, to at least note it down. And then we can compile in a certain documentation for the new generation as well as different other community who do not have chance to participate in our forum. For youth in the school, like Professor uh, Arifa said, uh, we discuss a lot in our in our classrooms, and uh, not only Muslim, but also we, uh, I have uh, many Buddhist and uh, atheist students. They are very interested in Muslim value and context. They cautious about the interpretation. Do they have different uh, layers, different um, different streams? I said, of course, you can find out from this and that text or the debates of the ulama. And then they are very happy to see, oh, there are so many debates and very advances. We, we come up with certain understanding when the course done, then they, felt, they found out they want to go to Patani, they want to go to um, Indonesia, Malaysia, to the community that Muslims have uh, open-minded. And uh, they're eager to learn about gender in Islam. So that's the result from, from the school and also from the workshops. I'm glad that uh, Amporn and Arifa really brought up these sensitive issues, Amina. For this episode, we will have to continue the next time. I'm glad that Dr. Arifa and Dr. Amporn brought up these sensitive issues when we talk about women's issues, women's rights, and especially in the context of our societies in Indonesia, uh, Thailand, the Philippines, and even Malaysia. And before we end our episode today in She Talks, Please, I would like to ask now uh, Dr. Arifa and Dr. Amporn, maybe they can give us some key messages on how do we actually strengthen WPS agenda in our ASEAN neighborhood, knowing now that 
you know, there's really a lot more of things that we need to do, especially at the ASEAN Women Peace Registry. So go ahead, Dr. Arifa, any more ideas on how we can further improve WPS? I think uh, it's fair to say that peace began with us, ourselves. So when we understand what the peace that we need, and then make sure that we share it with our colleagues, with our friends, with our community, and then work together, achieving whatever peace we mean uh, to, to, to us, specifically on the context and the situation. But I do believe we need to work together as a community based on the woman, uh, because we are women, because maybe we have come from the same background of uh, religion or culture, and also we come from the, the same geographical or country or state of, or region. So the WPS only can be successful as long as we are willing to work together with other stakeholders to make it. I think WPS is already settled down for long. And uh, so many countries already developed their own national action plan. There are still have so many, again, countries like Thailand, for example, struggle a lot in terms of uh, having uh, the first national action plan, which will come along with different other uh, benefit advantages for the community and for the country. So uh, I think we need the support as well for the Thai to highlight or to, to be encouraged by a global community that WPS or Women Peace Security Agenda is very valuable for not only social context, but also for economic context as well. And uh, the issue on the ground is quite unique. When we start uh, to... Um, going along with uh, the, the, the experience and knowledge of the local people and build up uh, our own national action plan from the local context. Contextualization is important that we need to put since the beginning. I'm sure for the Philippines and Indonesia, for those two countries that we learn from on the WPS implementation, we will not go to the issues or steps that uh, we learn from you should not be replaced. But we will also learn the successfulness of the WPS National Action Plan in your countries. So I think, again, WPS is crucial and we have common value in our own culture and society. Thank you so much, uh, Amporn and Arifa, for those words of wisdom. I wish we had more time, but you're right, Ayesa. We have to have another episode among the four of us. I just suddenly realized we are the four A's. There's <laughs> Ayesa, Arifa, Amporn, and Amina. Ayesa, we should call ourselves the amazing A's. Or is that too self-centered? But anyway... Thank yeah. you so much for for joining us. You know, Ayesa, I actually learned a lot more from Arifa and Ampon. We haven't had this this kind of an opportunity to have very engaged discussions on women and education, women, peace and security. So thank you for educating me. And um, uh, meanwhile, we have to get ready to go to our 
workshop with the Bangsamoro Union and the Mindanao State University. So on behalf of uh, the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, this is Amina Rasul saying bye for now from Davao and see you again next week. Ayesa? Thank you so much for guesting in the show, Dr. Arifa and Dr. Amborn. And I wish all the best to your work there in Davao City, the three of you. So I'll see you again, Jumpalagi, next time. Again, everybody, thank you for joining us in this episode of She Talks Peace. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. See you next time. Bye. Bye. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.